five, four, three, two, one, and we're on. Welcome to the Bronze Compass Podcast. This is a show where we're going to be looking at uh, history as well as politics, economics, and geography, and how it affects our lives today in hopes of learning how to change it to make a better and brighter future. You are you, and I am Matthew. Why do I do this? Because it's cheaper than therapy. So today we're going to be looking at the Electoral College. And the reason we're going to look at the Electoral College is basically because of the election. Now, why didn't I do this before the election? Uh, Because I was busy. (laughs) That's... And that's the truth. I was just busy. I'd like to give you some big excuse or something like that. Like I broke my back or something, but no. Um, No, but the Electoral College is probably the most important institute on the face of the planet. Now, there's only five, six, seven other countries that actually do an Electoral College, but most people don't understand what the Electoral College is. To understand the Electoral College, let's go back in time. The Founding Fathers... When they were creating the Constitution, they actually started with the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence is considered a foundational document for the United States. It created the beginning of what the United States would eventually become. Now, in between then and 1787, when the Constitutional Convention convened and drew out or wrote out the constitution of the united states you had 11 years and by the time it was adopted and actually implemented it's a 13 year transition phase from monarchy from the british government to the constitutional republic that we are so what they did is in order to avoid any kind of despotism or tyranny of the individual which is the king they created the Articles of Confederation, which basically split everything up into um, we have to all vote equally on the same thing, meaning if you want money for roads or ports or something of that nature, the vote had to be unanimous. Your vote was never unanimous. And so with this newfound freedom from a tyrant like the monarchy, like the King of England, People now had freedom, their own personal freedom. And they also had representatives in Congress, but only in their state Congress. And the Continental Congress hadn't convened to create the Constitution. So there's this phase where there wasn't really anything. And to fill that phase, that void, the Articles of Confederation were created. And it gave power to Congress. Now, because of that unanimous vote, because of the new freedom of the people because uh, the Articles Confederation didn't work. They started, the Founding Fathers that is, they started to see the mob take over. Now the mob is basically just the people that have the will and the force of either numbers or weapons. If 30 people run down the street shooting people and nobody does anything about it, they were mob-ish enough to get what they want and become a tyranny. Now, 5,000 people running down a city just using force of will and everybody being afraid of what could happen, whether they had guns or weapons or not, the force alone of 5,000 people in a city of 10,000, all of a sudden, you're now afraid. And this is what they were starting to see in the uh, brand new United States. 
So, America was trying to avoid the tyranny of two forces. One of the majority, meaning 50.1% could then take whatever they wanted from you just because of a vote. Um, Or the tyranny of the individual, meaning a king. So, the way they did this is that they made a legislative branch, a judicial branch, and an executive branch. And then they put checks and balances on both of them, on all three of them. Now, the big check and balance that was created for the president was the Electoral College. And this was also a check and balance on the populace of the people. Why is it a check and balance? Because the people could not be led by the majority. If you have the majority do things, then the majority will ask for majority things. So, for example, in the 1700s, the majority of the people lived on a farm. All right, and so any kind of law that was created, the majority would choose for it. Well, nowadays, the majority live in a city. That means the majority of the laws and the concerns are going to be city concerns. Well, how, how pronounced is that? Well, in the 1700s, before the Industrial Revolution, what you're looking at is 80% of the people are living on farms. So any kind of farm thing, if you were to say the majority rules, all farmers could now vote and say, yeah, we're going to take all of the city folk money so that we can run our farms the way we want to. Nowadays, the number of farmers is 1% or less in the United States. Now that means that city folk can now take anything from a farmer and give them what they want just based on majority rules. So they wanted to avoid that. So they created the, the Constitution with rights with checks and balances, and then the Electoral College to check and balance the uh, Democratic vote. Now, the Electoral College basically was, you voted for an elector, and that elector went to what they called the Electoral College. Not an electoral college, it was a group of people that were electors that would then choose who the president was supposed to be. And the idea at the time was that it was supposed to be somebody that they all knew, understood, was a good leader, and could make it happen. You voted for the elector so that on the promise that they would vote for the right person, not necessarily vote for your person. Well, after Washington died, that changed really quick because parties took control. So now parties would get the vote out and tell people, hey, wait a second, Um, don't vote for that person over there, they're from the wrong party, vote for an elector that I'll vote for my person and that that party. Well, after a little while, that changed so that the president and the vice president-elect would both be from the same party, so you didn't have any kind of shenanigans going on while they're in office, and because you were doing it from a party system, in the vote for the person and the party, you basically were voting for the representatives of that party. So, like, let's say you vote for the Democrats. That means the Democrat Party in the state of California have um, 58 electors. And those 58 electors are going to be from the Democrat Party if the Democrat Party person wins. So those 58 then go to the Electoral College and vote for the Democrat person. Now, most states do not have a law against the electors actually changing their mind and voting for the opposite party. So all 58 of California could change it. But some states have what they call the faith law, which means that if you're an elector 
and you go to the electoral college, then you have to vote for what the state voted for. So if you're Kansas and six of you vote for, uh, or, or the state votes for Donald Trump, then you have to vote for Donald Trump as the re uh, Republican elector. Now, why is this important? Why are we looking at this? Well, we're looking at this because the beauty of the electoral system is that it protects us from each other as well as um, ensures the integrity of the vote. How easy would it be to just shove a bunch of votes in somewhere and it could be anywhere and those would be counted towards an election, literally? It wouldn't matter what district you did it in. It wouldn't matter what um, location, what state, what precinct. All you would have to do is make sure that 5, 10, 20, 100 new votes were counted for your person. And as long as you hit the right number, you now had the state. You now had all of the vote. You know, think about New York. There's 19 million, almost 20 million people in the metropolitan area of New York, right? Nobody knows who's voted and who hasn't. I mean, regular person. You could stack so many ballots in there illegally where nobody voted and do it. I mean, we have what is considered the biggest... Um, voter turnout in the longest time this time and one person got 77 million another person got 72 million or whatever and that's really only something like what 60 70 80 percent I don't think it's 80 I think it's only 60 65 percent of the actual voting age public how easy would it be to just like start shoving boxes of ballots in to some vote and all of a sudden count that nobody would know whether they voted or not Nobody. So the electoral college system ensures that you need the votes. And it doesn't matter how many people vote. It's the concerned citizens that are voting. Therefore, the concerned citizens do it. And you vote that. Just like right now, there's uh, supposedly some um, counties that have over 100% of the vote. Well, if you were just worried about the number of votes and not about precincts and not about locations and not about area and, and geography, then it wouldn't matter where those votes were cast, just that the votes were cast. But with the electoral system, you have to worry about the geography. You have to worry about the numbers. You have to worry about um, those things to ensure the integrity of the voting. This makes it so anomaly anomalies like... Um, you know, super voting of 140% or whatever in a county or precinct, you now can see that, okay, something's wrong there. Ballot box is wrong. The machine's broke. Something, we got to go investigate that and make sure that everybody's vote is counted properly. So now in the uh, current situation, not in the current situation, I want to look at, I want to look at the 2016 situation. And, the, and I really want to drive this point home. In the 2016 situation, there was a rumor at the end of the vote that Hillary Clinton, even though she won 65 million votes and Trump won 62 million votes, I mean, there's and change on the end of that. It's like 65.2 or whatever, but I'm not worried about that. 
she got 65 million votes and he got 62 million votes, but he won the election. He won the election because he won the electoral college. Winning the electoral college gave him the presidency. Now, what did he have in the electoral college? Of the 270 needed, he had uh, 306. Okay. But if we were to go for popular vote, she obviously won. If we were to then break that down, okay, she won 400 and let me look, 487 counties. Trump won 2,626 counties and had 3 million less votes than Hillary Clinton. Now, do we see where the Electoral College made it so that a people could be represented? Because it is obvious that of the 487 calories, that those are the counties, those are the 487 most populous counties in the country for the most part. And so in the past, when you had to worry about the rural or the country folk, the miners, the loggers, the farmers, the, the people that are extracting the natural resources and, and living off of the land, you know, instead of them taking the rich people's money in the city and giving it to themselves to run their farms the way they want, we now have to worry about the exact opposite, where the people in the country that are living country life now have to worry about anything and everything taken from them and given to the city folk so city folk can live. The Electoral College helps protect against that by having proportional representation. This makes it so that the vote in the United States is not a democracy vote. It's not a majority vote. It's a plurality vote, right? Where you have to win the electors of the majority of the states. But that isn't even true in of itself, because it's a winner-take-all system. You win California, you win all five, uh, 58 uh, electors. You win Texas, you win all 38. Or maybe it's a 55 by California. I'll have to look at that again. It's uh, 55 by California, 38 by Texas. And so by winning the state, you win it all. Right? And so... You may have, just like in the United States, the less number of votes, but because you have the plurality of the uh, state, you win the state. So what does that look like as a country? Well, as a country, the minimum number of votes, of uh, electoral college votes you need, is 270. Okay, If you were to take the most populous states, the ones with the biggest numbers of um, electoral votes... You only need 11 states. That's one-fifth of the country. If you were hardcore and just went after those one-fifth of the states and won those, you would win the Electoral College and win the presidency. right? And just so the reference, that's California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Illinois kind of diverse group but when you look at the politics of that group um, you're seeing that not only uh, um, 
Do they have the most electoral votes? They're also the most populous, and they have the biggest cities. In fact, the top almost 20 um, cities are in the those states. Now there's a few outside, like Denver and Seattle, of course, and Phoenix. But, you know, if those 11 states said we're all going to vote the exact same way every time, those 11 states would rule the country. Well, luckily enough, the geography and the lifestyles and the culture are different enough that you aren't doing that. You actually have to go for the individual states. You actually have to work towards it. Now, people think that, you know, you need to have uh, just the swing states to win. That's why the swing states get a lot of advertisements and a lot of what are considered the safe states don't get a lot of advertisements, right? You look at like where Trump and Biden or Clinton or whoever's running uh, runs and does rallies and and stuff. It's in the swing states or the big states that are going to give them money. It's not in the small state. I mean, when did you last hear about a presidential candidate running up to Maine or Alaska or Hawaii and asking for money or trying to swing the state. It didn't happen. Now, the great thing about it is that because of the flipping and the flopping and the positions and the and the demographics of states, that it changes. Like in 2000, Bush lost the popular vote, but he won the Electoral College. And he won it not only because he got Florida, but mostly because he got West Virginia to flip. West Virginia was a Democrat state forever, but because the unions destroyed themselves in trying to extract more and more and more money from the uh, mining industry, when the mining industry in West Virginia started to go down because the EPA was uh, cracking down on mining and the toxins and the things like that coming out of mining, all of a sudden those mining jobs are gone. So the mining unions no longer had money to be able to give to the Democrats. So that population flipped Republican because now they had to live on their own and actually had to do things. They didn't have to rely on somebody like a union. They had to rely on themselves. Well, if you're self-reliant, in most cases, you want to vote Republican. If you're not self-reliant, in most cases, you want to vote Democrat because Democrats are going to give you stuff and Republicans are going to make you earn it and just stay out of your way. And that's a whole philosophy thing, but that's that's the basic thing. So that same thing happened with Trump Clinton. Trump grabbed Ohio and grabbed Wisconsin and grab Michigan. These were states that were considered blue or considered Democrat. But he grabbed them, and he grabbed them fast. And he was lucky to grab them. But they were in Pennsylvania. And they were considered so in the bag that Hillary Clinton didn't even go there to, um, to campaign for herself and for her ideals and presidency. And that's a big reason of why Trump won at that time. So let's sum this up. Let's put together. Electoral college is basically created to stop the majority from ruling over the minority, to give more people in more locations and more factions an opportunity to have their voice heard at a low level that affects a high level, and 
it protects from shenanigans in electoral process because it's a whole lot easier to just stuff ballots in random locations and everybody just kind of accept it than when people are looking specifically at precincts that report their findings or their election process. Now, why is this important? Why are we looking at this today? Because it, if Donald Trump comes out with a win here because of what looks like shenanigans in these several states, then everybody is now going to be calling for the Electoral College um, to be get done away with, stating that it doesn't follow the will of the people. The will of the people was for Biden. Well, let's look at the 2016 election. Hillary Clinton, like I said, won 65 million votes, and Trump won 62 million. But what they don't tell you is, is that until California voted, Trump was ahead by over a million votes. So the entire country had voted. They had figured out the majority of the country. But California was so Democrat that it gave 4 million extra votes to Clinton. So what you would have then basically in the country is you have, if you don't include California, you have basically a, in the United States, um, a majority of people are close to each other. A million votes, right, out of 49 states is 50,000, 20,000 vote difference per state. Think about that. Just 20,000. That's a small city in an eastern state and just a regular city in a western state. Right? That's 20,000 votes in each state. Let's see, 20 times 5. Why did I do 20 times? Yeah, 20 times 5 is 100,000. So that's 5 states times 10. 5 times 10. That is 5,500,000. So it'd be 40,000 per state, 45. So between 40 and 50,000 per state until California. So using the logic of the electoral college doesn't work because people only go to the swing states and stuff, right? You would only go to California. California would be the only state worth anything because the people there already are so left wing as a population whole that... California would be the only thing that does it. Whereas right now, those 4 million votes, 3 million of them for the Democrats are almost worthless. It makes it so that they are not overburdening the state. Because if those 3 million people actually moved, right, uh, they would flip almost the entire country. Now, that may be the case in this last election. Californians, New Yorkers move and flip Arizona, Texas, Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina, etc. But you now see how it's protecting the country. So, as an argument, this is an argument basically to keep the Electoral College. 
that the electoral college is an institution is necessary to maintain the rights of the people as well as keep a check and balance on the voting system and on the president as a whole instead of having to listen to the will of 50.1% or 50% plus one person they now have to look at the plurality of the country This has been the Bronze Compass Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please tell your family and friends about it and share it where you would like. You are you and I am Matthew. One, two, three, four, five. And we're off.